Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by my friend, uh, founder of startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, welcome back to the podcast. Here we are. Thanks for having me, friend. You're welcome. Hey, uh, so today, um, this is something, you know, you and I talk a lot about how we've, how we've structured our companies to uh, kind of allow us to live lives that we want to live while we're running them. Um, that's not something that a lot of people do. And, and retirement is still very much a, a concept. But that's one that we kind of want to blow up a little bit today and pick apart and, and, and kind of get out of our heads how we think about retirement and, you know, is retirement still a, a viable uh, aspiration and, and why is that still a thing, right? Like, why do we need to work, uh, you know, in the mines for 20 years and then stop? Is it 20? Is it 40? I forget. How long do you have to be in the mines? <laughs> Let's hope we never have to find out. Kind of felt like the mine from time to time. I have to think about it, man. Like, uh, retirement in this day and age just isn't what it used to be. And, and yeah. in the startup world, wouldn't you say that, like, a big part of the implicit understanding is that we're going to sell this thing and make so much money we can retire like that that's always the, the big uh you know the, the big carrot that everyone's looking toward no one raises money so that they can just get a salary everyone raises money <laughs> right. so that they can grow so that they can make an exit and you know make so much money that they can retire so retirement not quite in the work 50 years and get the golden watch at IBM kind of uh you know uh main uh, frame of mind yeah, yeah. um is always kind of part of the conversation, but I always think that it's a part of the conversation that's such a, a, a driver of so many decisions, yet is one of the least talked about actual parts of what people plan on doing. I don't think yeah. people really put a lot of uh, thought into retirement, um, and by way of that, make a lot of dumb decisions on the way toward this you know, so-called retirement. Um, so it's, you know, worth unpacking today. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. No, I, and I, I think that the, the concept certainly has changed. I mean, even just the, the way this used to work, right? Like trying to explain to my grandmother what retirement looks like now. She's like, well, you work at the hospital as a registered nurse for X number of years, and then you retire and they continue to pay you forever. Like some of those things aren't even possible anymore. Like, you know, pensions uh, no longer exist. Um, in the startup context, obviously it's different, but Talk about overshooting the mark. I mean, like if, if my grandmother yeah. can retire quite happily after a, a career as a registered nurse, um, you know, we're going back to starting in World War II era. So, you know, she had a few years to make this happen. But like, do you need to sell a company for a hundred million dollars to do the same thing that my grandma did? Probably not. <laughs> well, I think it's a bunch of things. I mean, one, uh, I think we're overshooting the mark on how much money we need. And we yeah, can kind of yeah. get into that. That's what I was getting at. I think two... We're overshooting this concept of retirement. Like if retirement to us means I never have to work again. Yeah. And you're saying this at 28 years old. <laughs> <laughs> have you even started working yet? Yeah. You haven't been around long enough to understand how much time you have to fill <laughs> between now. And I'm off my I'm off my parents' medical insurance plan. Time to retire, right? <laughs> oh my God. Uh I mean, most of the people that I know that are retired, you know, anywhere early are bored out of their mind. Yeah. You know, they're just yeah. looking for something to do. And in Ryan, we don't have jobs like we used to. You know, my dad was a carpenter, right? Yep. At, at some point, his back hurt, his knees hurt. He had to stop doing that job. And I get it. Like, it just kind of made sense. He physically couldn't do it. You're updating blog posts, dude, right? <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Like, like, like how, I could probably how, keep how, doing how, that for a while. No, I'm just saying, um, the work many of us do, not all of us, just doesn't have the same kind of, you know, drudgery 
that it used to, where yeah. retirement was was a safety net from pain, right? I think what a lot of people are often talking about is, uh, you know, I want to be safe. I want to stop doing this high stress kind of work so that I can do stuff that doesn't feel like stress. And, and, and of course, you know, there's value in that. But we have to ask, um, if you're trying to get to retirement, to go do the things that you've always wanted to do, my first question is, why aren't you doing any of those things already? Right. Right? I mean, if you really, like, distilled it down, and, and Ryan, I'd, I'd, I'd toss this to you. If you were to think right now, what are some of the things that you're maybe even doing right now that look like retirement to you, or maybe you weren't doing five, 10 years ago, what would those look like? Well, first, like, I'd like to just get back to doing some of the stuff I was doing, you know, not to beat a dead horse here, but we're still in COVID. We're still in lockdown. Like, so just sure. give yeah. this a thought for 10 seconds. Imagine having retired at the beginning of this year. Oh God. <laughs> Worst time ever. <laughs> Literally. What the fuck are you doing at this point? Right? Like, how are you yeah, spending your yeah. days? All right. So yet yeah, for me, it's, it's about spending some more time doing things I'm already doing. And, and I think this is, you know, the, it, it's, it speaks to the fact that we have, have sort of accelerated the concept of retirement by putting those things into our lives now, right? Like I'm not waiting right. and for good reason, a lot of the stuff that I really enjoy doing at retirement age, you know, even 10 years from now, some of that stuff might not be possible, right? I don't know how long I can continue to play competitive soccer. I don't know how long I can continue to there. do competitive jujitsu. Um, I don't know how long I can paddle my kayak into the sea and catch big fish. I hope for a long time because I love all those things. Um, but I'm also not willing to defer those and just say, Hey, let me, let me, you know, pretend that by doing some other things now, somehow I'll get to do more of those in the future. Um, and, and so, yeah, for me, retirement would look very much like right now. Like it's, it's what I'm doing. Obviously this year's a bit of, of an outlier, um, because a lot of those activities have, have either been heavily modified, um, or had to stop entirely like, like soccer, sure. I go kick a ball around by myself, but that's not a whole lot of fun. Uh, and so, you know, really retirement for me would just be the world coming back to, uh, to some level of normalcy. And I'd be like, I'm retired. I did it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's spending more time doing the things I've already identified that I enjoy. Um, and I think this is one of the major, um, kind of bifurcations in this entire decision. I believe, and I, I know, cause I talked to a lot of people about this. I know that there's a lot of people who for retirement is going to be this exploratory phase in their life where they go and figure out, I've now put in my time. I've saved my money. I can stop doing my work. Now I can go figure out what I enjoy about life. I mean, like, right. It's so sad to hear people say that, but then they're going to go figure out, they're going to use retirement to figure out what, what is fun in life and what they like to do and how they want to spend their time. Like I already know those right. things and I already get to spend a sufficient amount of time doing those things. I'm not like dying to spend more time, uh, getting my shoulder twisted out of socket. I enjoy it for exactly as much time as I do it now. I don't need a ton more of that, right? I'm good. Well, let's, let's dig into that a little further. So there's a fair amount of people, especially in the startup world that are all in killing themselves yeah. uh, to make their startup work. And so there's no version right now in their minds where they're saying, hey, I've got all this extra time to yep. travel or to play soccer, do all these things, right? You know, a lot of what you're talking about, Ryan, are things that you get to do now, but you didn't necessarily get to do, let's say five years ago when we were in the thick of it, right? You know, we're in a different place now than, than, than you were, and we deliberately tried to unlock some of those things. But I also think that our startups should be helping us get to that goal without necessarily having to sell. 
In other words, like part of our stated goals year over year should be how do we unlock some more of our freedom so that we can do the things that feel a little bit more like retirement now. And when people say, I can't, there's too much work to be done, et cetera, it's bullshit. It is. Um, Ryan, you and I have both been through this for decades. We've worked ungodly hours. I made the same excuses. I said the same things. It can't be done. Everything can be done if you allow it. Everything can be done if you plan for it. Yep. Right? But if you give the blanket statement, I'm just too busy, honestly, you're not. You've only got maybe five hours of highly productive time. The rest of it is time that can be filed any way you want. Some of it just requires work. Um, but you can time shift it about when you do it, where you do it, et cetera. And I think when people say I can't, and therefore I have to sell for a hundred million to get to retirement, I don't, I, I meet very few people who can make that statement in a resolute fashion and stick to it. Yeah. I think a lot of us are, are living on deferred living and it's a huge, huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah. It, sadly, I think people who are living on deferred living think that they're somehow uh, accruing a balance. And I would say what they're really doing is accruing a debt in, in terms of life and that you're just time you're never going to get back. Um, and, and not necessarily time that you're trading with any level of certainty for what's going to happen in the future. Right. Like none of this is, is certain. You could work for a company your entire life. They could cancel your pension. You could work on a startup for for decades and not have it sell. And if you didn't design it towards that everyday enjoyment, you know, for allowing yourself the time, I think it comes down to a couple things, right? We talk about this a lot, but permission, right? Permission to say it's okay to have some balance in this. Um, and then proper planning. And I'll, I'll put that in, in two categories. One, how you're planning the work that actually gets done, right? And we've talked about this a lot, like how to structure your days, how to be efficient, how to be effective, how to focus on the things that matter. And then also planning for that other time, right? And, and being clear in what you're trying to unlock for yourself, right? Like if I just said, I want to retire, um, I can't make that happen tomorrow. But if I say, I want to be able to spend three hours a week doing jujitsu and I want to be able to spend four hours a week doing soccer, um, and, and three hours a week coaching soccer for my kids, I can do that. I can make that time appear, right? Just like magic by simply making things, you know, moving things around, structuring my day in such a way, um, and just making sure that I'm focusing on high value targets. I think when you use the excuse that I'm too busy, something really important and horrible happens, which is that you just assume that spending all that time is actually accomplishing something. I no longer have to prioritize my time because I know I'm spending it all. So I must be doing good stuff, right? I'm spending all my time. Therefore, I'm putting in all the effort, go me. And, and therefore, it's justified. A horrible trap to fall into. Okay. So, you know, kind of TLDR, what we're going to keep chipping away at here is that retirement doesn't have to be this all in, um, you know, I'm I'm now retired and I no longer work kind of goal. Yeah. Retirement should be the the things that you want to do. And the question is, how much of it can I do right now? Right. And it, you'd be surprised if you really push that, it's way more than you think. Here's what I'll say though, Ryan. And like tell me what you think about this. I think that when you're working 16 hours a day and you have no free time to do any of the things that you want, hang out with your friends, your family, travel, do anything then it feels like retirement is the only exit from all of this misery. But then something interesting happens. You sit back and say, look, man, I just need one hour a day to do yoga. Like I'm just, I'm way into yoga. That's what I want to do. I need one hour a day to put into that. And you do that. And then all of a sudden you say, wow, there's a world of difference between not being able to do anything and being able to do a little bit of something. Yep. And I think as as founders, 
we often put ourselves in a position where we can't do anything. And so retirement feels like, like the, the, the freedom from all that. But what we're really talking about is I want to be able to kind of break that and just do one thing, two things, three things. And we start to realize that just chipping away at that starts to feel like a little bit of retirement. It starts to kind of like um, break that feeling that I'm all wrapped up. Does that make sense to you? It does. It does entirely. And like, especially as startup founders, this shouldn't be a hard concept to grasp, right? Like MVP, your retirement, right? You don't need to go all in. You didn't launch your startup with everything it ever needed the day you started it. That's why it's hard. Um, and, you know, in the same way, if you're in a position where, and again, I'm going to argue a lot of people don't even know what they would do with that time. So just creating all of it at once would just be a tragedy of riches, right? So ease into it, figure out that one thing you want to do and try it. You might find out you don't like it. You know, you and I have both MVP'd a number of, of life-changing things. We both tried living in different places um, with varied results, right? Like for me, uh, I've really enjoyed the last couple moves we've made. Uh, for you and the family, you know, you decided that you bounced out, you bounced back, you bounced out, you bounced back. And for now, you're like, we're, we're good here, actually. We're glad we did it because now we know. And I think that's the other thing that's really important is you get some certainty around this. Right? Because if you're just in a position where you don't know whether you're going to enjoy it or not, the level of desire there might eat away. You're like, man, I really want that. I really want that. I really want that. Um, and then you really work hard to get there and you spend far more time achieving it than is necessary to just sample it. And then you get it and you find out you don't like it. And that'd be terrible. Like, what if you guys had waited for 25 years to figure out if you like living in LA? That would have been a disaster, right? You'd feel terrible. You know, so I, I actually tested this firsthand, you know, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I sat down and we were like, uh, let's figure out what a retirement life would look like. Yeah. And we had a bunch of places in mind, but you know, one of the places that I always wanted to live since I was a kid, uh, was Beverly Hills. And to me, that just felt like the most ostentatious place you could go. And like, if the rich people in Beverly Hills don't have it figured out and I can't figure it out there, then well, well who knows? Right. Right. So we did. So we moved to this cool place in Beverly Hills uh, at the top of a mountain. It was amazing. We had a, like, you know, hot tub and pool and everything that overlooked the valley. It was incredible. Uh, and so I thought when we moved in, this is it. You know, like kind of we found our retirement home. This is retirement living. This is exactly what retirement's supposed to be like. And to be fair, for a couple of weeks, it was. A couple of weeks, I'd wake up in the morning and Ryan, I remember, you know, like, like basically like telling you all this as it's happening. I'm like, Ryan, I just got up. I just walked out to this pool. I'm sitting in a hot tub right now, um, staring at Channing Tatum's house, right? I can see all 12 of his abs from here. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just like, it was amazing, right? And I was like, wow, this is like how the stars live, right? And I mean, like, like no one's staring back at my house being, dude, that's Will Schroeder's house. <laughs> that, like, I don't know, some idiot from Ohio moved in over there. And so, anyway, the point is, I'm sitting there, the weather's perfect, the setting's perfect, everything's perfect. And for the first few weeks, it was awesome. Yep. Everything about it was wonderful. But then something interesting happens. In week four, I get up, I just don't really feel like getting in the hot tub, right? I just want to go to work. And so I'm sitting in front of my laptop. Week five, week six, week 10, week 20... <laughs> That hot tub hardly got any use whatsoever. That view hardly got any use whatsoever. I just worked in this tiny room, because this isn't a big house, in this tiny room for 16 hours a day, just like I was doing before we moved there, right? Not a damn thing changed. Nothing changed. changed. But, yeah. it, but it opened my eyes, you know? And I sat down with my wife and I said, really, 
this whole time, we could have spent 10, 20, 30 years trying to, trying to work up to this. Yep. And the truth is, we just got to fast forward it now. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life working up to this. This is bullshit. Right. Your stuff <laughs> I don't need back this. To Ohio. <laughs> yep. I mean, like, don't want this. Like it. it was cool for a minute, yeah. and then it just wasn't. And my, my point is, if we can't define and or, if possible, get some experience for what that retirement living or that, that next thing that, that we, we can't do is, I think we can spend an enormous amount of time trying to build up to that. And again, it doesn't have to be in a friggin' hot tub in Beverly Hills, right? It could be, I just want to vacation more or travel more. Okay, find a way to take some time off and travel more. Once you've traveled for like three months, if you can travel that long, you might be like, dude, I just, actually, that was enough. Like, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah, living out of a suitcase isn't fun, right? And I guess, what, like, the way I call, the way I look at it is, I call it popping the bubble. If you just pop the bubble on whatever that dream or fantasy or whatever is, yep. and it's still interesting, okay, there's something there, maybe it's worth, you know, stressing for. But if it's not, don't you really have to wonder what the cost would have been for deferring for 10, 20, 30 years to get something that you found out in a few weeks you didn't want anymore? Again, like in as founders, like we're so used to testing stuff, right? Like A-B testing, not just it. for landing pages anymore, yeah. but like why are we, why do we let our personal lives and our personal dreams just sort of sit there while, while we test the shit out of everything else, we validate everything else, you know, we prove out each market before we go all in, you know, we prove out each marketing channel before we spend money on it. And then we're like, oh, but my hopes and dreams, eh, you know, they're over there somewhere collecting dust. Um, the other thing, and I think this is worth mentioning, um, in addition to just getting to that outcome and then not liking it and regretting, you know, the, the time that you spent doing it, imagine how much it changes your decision making if you do have this lofty goal and you're like, I need a yacht and I need them to rename one of the Caribbean islands after me. So I'm going to need to exit for $150 million or this just isn't going to work. And so now you start making decisions that point you to that direction, right. right? So not only do you finally get to that outcome, right? But you've, you've made totally different decisions for your business. Maybe you decided to take on capital because we need that to scale to this bigger level so that we can exit. Or that's what everybody who exits does. They all, they're all funded. You start to make very different decisions about your business because of this other goal and dream that you don't fully understand and haven't validated yet. And man, there's a lot of danger packed into that whole decision matrix. Also, I think, uh, you know, you touched on something, the number of hours that it actually requires. So I'll give you another example. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned this a few times in the podcast, you know, I got way into carpentry, like way, way into it so much so that on the weekends, I couldn't do enough of it. You know, I was doing like remodeling and stuff. And I'm just crazy into it. Uh, and I thought to myself, I would love to have more time to do this. Yeah. So if you remember, Ryan, a few weeks or a few months back, I took like a week to do nothing but that. Day one, totally in heaven. Day two, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to find a way to do more of this in my life. Day three, I'm also like, oh, my back kind of hurts a little bit, kind of feel like my dad now. In <laughs> <laughs> day four, I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to get up and do any more carpentry, right? I've inhaled my monthly quota of sawdust. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, um, when I couldn't do it, it felt like something I wanted to do forever. Yeah. But once I gave myself kind of a full like breath of it, I was like, oh, you know what? I want to do this a couple days a week. Think about that. Think about me saying, hey, I would love to figure out how to like exit my company and sell it so I can do more of that, only to find out that I wanted to do like four days of it and then find anything else to do. Yeah. I think there's a real danger 
in having this certainty around what you expect retirement to enable you to do without ever testing that it actually enabled you to do it. Sounds absurd. And yet that's what almost everybody does. Okay. So th there's another part of it. And I think this is just as important. Uh, we all have this concept that with retirement, we would have endless choices of what to do, right? I have so much money, right? That I, I have so many things that I can pick to do. And I can just, how wonderful does that feel? I don't, you know, I don't have to go to my job anymore. I can just do some angel investing. Everybody says that's a dumb, dumb answer. Um, <laughs> or I can, you know, I can do this or that, whatever. The point is though, are you really this like, every man, every woman person that has so many hobbies and so many interests that you can fill 16 hours a day just fucking around? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm going to say this, probably not. And, and I'm not to say, I have a ton of hobbies, Ryan, you have a ton of hobbies. Dude, it is hard to fill 16 hours a day with something that isn't a job. And every time I talk to folks that have cashed out, they say the same thing. They said, man, I'm dying to start something. And I always ask them the same reason. Do you have to? Will it pay any bills? They said, absolutely not. They say two things. Number one, I have no idea how to fill my days, which, which is fair, right? I mean, it's hard to. And number two, I need purpose. Yeah. One of the things that people big often forget about, especially founders who are so dead set in our purpose, is that when you remove that, it's, it's no different than um, my wife, who's so focused on caring for our kids, and it's such a big part of who she is. If you take that out, when we go empty nest, that's going to yeah. be a very difficult transition. That's it a is. big part of her DNA and identity. Um, I think people vastly underestimate how important their job is to what they do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, we spend most of our waking hours doing it for most of our lives. And the right. idea that that's not going to feel weird when we take that away bit of a misconception. Yeah. And, and but, I, but I, people don't think about it. And I, the, the, the parenthood analogy is a great one, right? If you're the primary caregiver for kids, like there's this sort of um, perceived timeline it used to be 18. Now I think it's what 36 um, <laughs> before the kids leave the house. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it's a huge transition and it's one that uh, nearly everybody struggles with in, in one uh, one way or another. Right. And, and it's right. often directly tied to some other type of retirement, right? Like, so now we have this free time now, you know, the kids are gone, I can retire from my job and now life is boring. <laughs> I don't know. I, this seems to be the story for a lot of the folks that we know and talk to, um, that are on the other side of this. It's like, yeah, how do I fill my days? Now I had all the stuff that I had to do, which sometimes was drudgery. Sometimes it wasn't, or that kind of depends on how you structure your life and your work. Um, but when you, when you're then, when all that's just taken away, uh, you know, whether you wanted it to be or not, it's tough, right? That's, that's a big, big transition. Um, and again, not one that, you know, without some testing, you have any real clarity what the other side of that looks like. Um, and I'd argue that given it's a major, major life event transition, like you should be testing, you should be preparing yourself for this in some way. And I don't mean just like you know, saving money so that you can do it. I mean, you know, preparing yourself for the activities that come post that point. Um, but it just seems to be a huge, huge hole in, um, in a lot of people's lives. And I would argue more so in founders lives. I, I think that there's a lot less understanding, um, despite, and I would make the argument more flexibility to do those kind of things. Now, like I think as a founder, it's easier to start to play test those things, but I see less of it than I do with people who are working a nine to five. Well, I think we've got a couple things. I think one of it is one thing, uh, one part of it is we 
we want to be de-risked, right? We yeah, want to yeah, be able to, sure. you know, kind of take those leaps and know that we'll be okay. This goes back to safety, right? Yeah, for sure. Similar to this, we want to be deleveraged, right? So we want to know that if 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 a whole uh, investor comes back to us and gives us a hard time, we can just kind of say f you and, and go our own way, <laughs> right? I mean, we all want that 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 kind of um, uh, feeling. Now that said, I don't know that the only way to get there is a full massive cash out. I think a lot of the parts of what we're talking about, and this is a recurring concept here, is retirement should be something that you are constantly chipping away at by creating more opportunities to spend the time the way you want it, by de-risking yourself, by deleveraging yourself with your time. By the way, it's always about time. Um, yes, there's a little bit of money involved in it. I'm not going to knock that, but it's more often about time. It's about allocation. And at its core, it's about permission. It's about giving yourself permission to do the things that you actually want to do. Having a ton of money kind of feels like that gives you the validation and permission. But the truth is most of what you always wanted to do, you could have done all along. That's, that's one of the most recurring factors. That's it. It's available from right now. Yep. But I think all of that, you know, uh, being de-risked and deleveraged is um is really just a a, a side uh, like a side benefit if you will to the the bigger component here which is not having this gray amorphous cloud of what retirement is to you i think if if you could say retirement is specifically these things right retirement to me is 2 hours a day of, of uh, working in the wood shop um 4 hours a day of playing with my kids you know whatever your version of retirement is and you are super hyper clear about that. I think the first thing that would come out of that clarity is to be able to say, how much of that can't I do right now? In other words, how much am I putting money as, as a bit of kind of a, a, a wall against me not being able to do that? And the truth is what's really preventing me is permission, discussion, and kind of you know maybe understanding with my other co-founders, et cetera. But the biggest part of it is, um, I think if we look at retirement as this gateway, that until I get past this massive, typically unscalable gate, yeah. I can't retire, I think we're, we're broken on arrival. And, and that's kind of what concerns me you know, at its start. Yeah. I mean, it's not one of these kind of things you want to figure out as it happens, right? right. And, and again, like the, the ability to, to play test this is... Is there right? Like, there's right. no reason you can't be doing these things. And you know, again, like the other the other side of it is in what quantity, right? Like, ah, I said it before. Point. Like, I I like I like jujitsu. I I love soccer. I love fishing. Um, if I had to go fishing every day, that's called being a fisherman. That changes it significantly, <laughs> right? And it's, it's it's an interesting concept. But like, anything that you spend all of your time doing can potentially become drudgery. I think. Um, you know, I love vanilla ice cream. I like ice cream of all sorts. I don't want to eat it exclusively all the time. Like, that's not good. It's not good for me. Um, and it would it would lose its magic, right? And so I think that that's the other side of this is that some of these things are special because of their rarity, right? If right. I was able to play soccer all day every day. I, I guess I'd probably be getting paid for that. Might be kind of cool, actually. I don't know, um, but you know, the it it would lose some of its luster, right? It would no longer be like that special thing that I get to go do. It's now just the thing I do all the time. Same thing with fishing or jujitsu or anything, right? Um, you know, I love spending time with my kids, um, and, and you know, I. I want to spend more time with them and I try to spend as much time as I can with them. Um, if I had to spend all day, every day with them, 
would I have the same level of fulfillment, right? This is a discussion my wife and I have uh, with, with some frequency, right? And that she's in that position where she spends a lot more of her time with them. Um, and so for her, retirement might look like spending a little less time with our kids. For me, it would look like spending a little more time with our kids. Um, and so it's about balancing out these things that you need to do, the, the, the things you're responsible for, the things that you want to spend your time on, um, and just making those work as, as a system um, as opposed to some weird binary point in time where I stop doing one thing and start doing another. Just again, like as you talk through it, it sounds asinine um, and it doesn't sound like something I'd want to engage in, but seems to be the typical path for people. You know, one of the things that I, I think a lot about, and I talk to founders that have, you know, maybe made a little bit of cash early in their careers. Yep. Invariably, they almost all go back to working, right? Um, and again, I, I touched on this earlier, but I don't think there are a lot of other hobbies that kind of activate us the way our jobs do. And, and folks say, well, I want to put that money into, or at that time rather, uh, into nonprofit work, something that maybe doesn't pay me. That's fine. That's a job, right? It's, it's real work. Um, but I think for a lot of us, what, what our dream of retirement maybe should be, and I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but maybe one consideration is I want my work to align with how I want to spend my day. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people will say, well, that means I wake up at 11 o'clock and you work for four hours. And uh, you know what? Fine. Right. There are actually jobs you can do <laughs> right now uh, that align with that. Not a ton. Right. But the other side of it is if you were to say, if you were dead set on this, the way founders can get dead set and locked in, I'm going to work five hours a day. I'm going to work like a madman for five hours a day, but it's going to be five hours. You could make a career out of that. You know, you could do that now. You don't have to create the kind of risk in timeline or in, in, in frankly, the cost, you know, as far as your, your, your um, uh, mental health in trying to get there um, in order to do that. I, I, I've seen this time and time again. I think retirement is a construct that we need to flesh out entirely, right? Like we, we can't guess at what retirement is to us and we need to test it like we talked about. But I also think it's something that we should be activating every year. You know, we should look at every year and say, how can I get closer to retirement on things that aren't just money? Um, yeah. I, I would say, Ryan, in my personal journey, every year that goes by, I get closer to what I consider to be retirement because I start to get substantially more um, agency over my day purely because I allow myself to. Yeah. Okay. Because you, you plan for it and, and you, you give yourself permission, then you demand that it happens, right? And, and then it does. Yeah, I think that using the, the financial piece as the North Star is, is super dangerous. Let's use an example here, an extreme example, but look at professional athletes and look at the top performing professional athletes. Like just think of the, the all time greats in any particular sport. Do you really think that they were still playing because they needed the money? Like how many championships did Jordan need to win before he's financially set? Right. Or like after the Nike contract was signed, the dude was done. Right. But he kept coming back. Right. It wasn't retirement because he had achieved financial success. Um, it was retirement because, you know, he, he no longer, you know, either didn't have things he needed to achieve. Right. He had satisfied himself. And I think that's really important. Right. Like to me, that's that's an important trigger for retirement. I'm now satisfied that I've come and I've done what I set out to do. And now I can pick something else to go do. Um, but, you know, in, in the same vein, like if, you know, let's let's say, you know, we, we get to a liquid event um, with startups.com and now none of us have to work again. Right. Uh, financially, none of us have to work again. 
But what if we hadn't fully executed on the mission? Like we've said this before, we want to continue to help founders on their journey for time immemorial. Like this is what we want to do. Right. That feeling doesn't change simply because I now don't need money as a result of that. Right. If my purpose hasn't been fully met, if I'm not satisfied that I've done what I set out to do, am I going to want to retire? Am I going to enjoy it? Um, am I going to even be able to focus on those other things or will I want to? Right. The chances are I'm going to want to keep chasing that thing that I set out to do. Um, and obviously that's not, you know, if, if you're working in a job, you know, you're, you're managing a blockbuster, uh, the blockbuster, the last one, um, that might not be your life's aspiration. So I get that you might want to stop doing that, but I think there's a huge difference between wanting to retire and wanting to not do something you don't enjoy doing. And I'd argue that like that's in the same point. way we're suggesting, you know, play testing what your retirement looks like. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, start with that, like fix that problem mm -hmm. first. Um, and then the, the context of retirement is completely different, right? Totally changes because now there may not be a need to do it anymore or the need to do it is far reduced or you may feel like you've retired already. Right. And I think that's a great aspiration. You know, uh, the way I look at retirement, and where I look at my own retirement, actually, uh, not just my own retirement, but the, our, our team as well. I believe retirement for a founder, for a founding team, and for a vision of the company should be a journey that says, if and when a financial event happens where you know our, we get a liquidity event, et cetera, the ultimate goal of retirement is that nothing changes. Yeah. Is that the liquidity event actually doesn't really affect us dramatically in any way. Because all along, year in, year out, we deliberately planned to get more and more time, again, it's typically time, um, an opportunity to do the things that we wanted to do so that retirement felt less and less like this kind of um, huge boulder that, you know, that we're, we're trying to run from, but to, right? Uh, from in that, like, oh shit, you know, I hate my life, et cetera, I'm running from it. And two, meaning like, uh, this, is, this is my Indiana Jones analogy, that I'm jumping out of the cave and go, oh shit, I think I made it. Um, I, I, really, I, I really don't see founders talking about how every year I'm going to get closer to retirement because I'm deliberately building towards something that's important to me. I, I, by the way, I see a handful of people, um, but, but it's definitely not part of our typical narrative. And, and I think that that's a huge mess. No, I, I think the answer to that question should be like, you know, you declare I'm retired. And like, are, aren't you still running startups.com? Yeah. Right. Like that's a great answer, right? Like I'm doing both. I am both still running my company and I'm retired, right? Again, like retirement is, is probably half mindset, um, you know, and, and half ability, right? To be able to exercise on some of that. You know, I think you know, it's a combination. Um, part of it too is uh, here, there's a handful of things that I just, I hate doing, right? You know, I hate yeah. working with the customers <laughs> that we sell to. I hate, you know, working with some of the people we work with, et cetera. And I get that. Again, I'm not, I'm not pretending for a second that any version of, uh, you know, um, of working our jobs is all Shangri-La. Uh, conversely, it's there's a handful of things that I want to do that, that my current job just prevents me from doing. Again, from maybe where I live, from maybe uh, what I'm getting to do, like vacation, hobbies, etc. And I get all of that, and, and I respect that. But again, uh, I would say that instead of waiting for this, you know, amazing moment that somehow changes it all, which which kills me. I hate saying this, but kind of what I'm saying is it, 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 there's a good chance it may not happen. Yeah. And I don't want all the founders that are listening to this to say, if that doesn't happen, I'm totally screwed. I think that's a terrible plan. I think a better plan is, look, I may not get to a liquidity event, and that may not happen. However, there are a number of things that I'm going to change year in, year out 
where I'm going to chip away at that goal. And over the next five years, regardless of whether I sell, I'm going to have 70% making up a number of all the things that I'd want to do in retirement already in place. To me, that's a kick-ass goal. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.